so I, I just had something on my heart. We may stop with this one as far as the series goes, but um, I had something on my heart this week that I needed to share with you, and I think it really fits Quieting the Noise, the name of our series. I've called it Rest. Can you hear that? Yeah, that's what we did last week, the silence. Quieting the noise, bringing us into silence. And one of the greatest disturbances, one of the greatest distractions in our lives is religious noise, frankly. Can you imagine a religion where God is in charge, where the God in charge views the ones he purports to love so much as deplorables, thoroughly corrupt and wicked? Imagine that songs and hymns sung during its religious gatherings support this message of ugliness, even eulogizing the distance and separation of God from his own. Imagine that the centerpiece of this religion is a system of belief that although this God proves his unfathomable love for humanity through the blood sacrifice of a family member, he then makes it clear that rejecting his love or failure to believe correctly will make him so angry that he will punish the unfaithful with a place of eternal conscious torment. Many of you recognize this religion. And we didn't, we didn't come to believe this on our own. Many of us heard for decades a barrage of lies from systems, sometimes family and church leaders. You're worthless. You're stupid. You're not valuable. You're just dumb. I hate you. Why can't you, and just fill in the blank. So many live in constant fear of committing some sin that will condemn them to hell. They live in fear that if they do not tithe 10% of their gross income, or if they miss church some Sunday, or if they don't witness to others of their faith, or if they smoke or drink or break any number of rules that God will punish them. And this condition is a very common one for people, especially people with a religious or church background. This perspective of God, when combined with a legalistic, judgmental view of Scripture, is the exact condition that Jesus was addressing when he spoke the words that I'm about to read. We find these in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11 verse 28 through 30. I'm going to read them from the Passion Translation. Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Does that sound like your Jesus? Does that sound like the God that you grew up with? 
Does it sound like the systems, especially religious systems, that you're acquainted with? Here's the Aramaic version of those verses. And you know, Jesus spoke in Aramaic, and that was the people's language in that day. Quote, Come next to me, all you who are weary, picking up your loads. I am your oasis. Pick up my till over you and learn from me. I have oasis rest, and I am humble in my heart. You will find the oasis for your souls. For my tilling, it, it's rejoicing, and my load is easy. See, another rendering, another Aramaic rendering of that goes like this. And in my heart, you will find a resting place for your souls. The Aramaic word used here in this passage is nucha. It comes from, a, from an old Ugaritic and Persian word, naha or nahu, which references a camel when he's resting. When a Semitic person heard the word nucha, he was picturing in his mind a resting camel, a camel resting on its breast in the ground. Let me show you what I mean. Here's a picture of a couple of camels in a desert. You can see that they are resting. And here's another picture. And we'll have these both full screen, and then I want to talk about them as well. I know that our sound booth is doing that and ready for that. Now here's a closer view of a couple of those cameras. What I want you to see here in this view of the camels is how that they're lying down, their feet are under them, and there's a bit of a slant to them leaning on their front chest area or breast. The breast area of a camel is especially padded very thickly, and so it it will absorb the weight of leaning and resting against it. You see, Jesus invites us to come to the many-breasted one and rest. He doesn't say, I'll give you rest. He says, I am your rest. There is a difference. Now, remember this from the text that I read, the Passion Translation, verse 29. Simply join your life with mine. Well, as great as that translation was of verse 28, 29, and 30, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer and a mistranslation of that. The truth is, you are already one. You're already joined with him. You don't need to do that. There's, there's no effort that you can put forth to join the Lord. You are joined. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. Of God's doing are we in Christ. The Knox translation of that says, It is from him that we take our origin. See, just like that camel... Come unto me, all you that labor, I'm quoting King James now, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. No, Aramaic, I am your oasis. Like a camel who sits down and leans into the breast, 
I am the many-breasted one that will take you into my bosom and there you will find rest in me. You don't need to join him in that. You just are there. Now, we need to wrestle with the unrenewed mind and thoughts that we have that pull on us and distract us. And that's why I'm teaching this and have included this message in this series, Quieting the Noise. There's so much noise today that tells you there's something you have to do to find rest in Jesus. There's something you have to do to find quiet. There's something you have to do for God to bless you or to be close to you. There's something you have to do to feel like the Lord is good a good, good father, as we sang. And frankly, all we have to do is rest. There's nothing more that I can do. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. He associated us in Christ before the fall of the world. Before Adam blew it. Before there was, quote, a fall you were already associated in Christ. You were found in Christ before you were ever lost in Adam. What does that do for you this morning? Can you just kind of sit down in that and rest? I was found in Christ before I was lost in Adam. Baxter Kruger says, the gospel is not the news that we can receive an absent Jesus into our lives. The gospel is the shocking news that Jesus has received us into his. You don't even need to work at knowing him. In the Aramaic, Jesus is not saying that he is meek and lowly in heart, but rather that he is restful nucha and meek in heart. He is our resting place. You see, there's a difference between learning from him and learning of him. The one means I have to study. I have to be diligent. I have to apply myself. I, I, I. The other says, you know what? I'm just going to discover. I'm just going to pull back the curtain and the layers of the onion of distraction and I'm going to discover who I am. It's an uncovering. It's a discovery, not an obligation to search. It's quiet in this formally charismatic <laughs> Pentecostal word of faith church. <laughs> Boy, we used to preach for the amens. So I want to give you a big idea, right? If you are afraid of God, angry at God, indifferent towards God, dismissive of God, done with God, you're right where you need to be. Jesus invites you to rest from it all, from the loneliness, the pain, the hiding, and all the effort. Just rest. Paul said this in his letter to a church called Colossians. The church was called Colossae, in the city of Colossae anyway. His body nailed the cross, hung there. His body nailed to the cross, hung there, as a document of mankind's guilt. 
In dying our death, he canceled the detailed handwritten record which testified against us, every stain on our conscience reminding us of the sense of failure and guilt was thus fully blotted out. In him dying mankind's death, he diffused every possible claim of accusation against the human race and thus made a public spectacle of every rule and authority and God's brilliant triumph demonstrated in him. The voice of the cross will never be silenced. And Francois de Troyes, the author of that mirror translation I just read, adds this in his footnote. The horror of the cross is now the eternal trophy of God's triumph over sin. The cross stripped religion of its authority to manipulate mankind with guilt. Every accusation lost its leverage to blackmail the human race with condemnation and shame. Every accusation lost its leverage to blackmail. You can't be judged. You're going to live forever. What Jesus did, he did for all humankind. You're untouchable by that guilt, that shame, that judgment. All right, here it is. Say it out loud, it's going to be a slide. Our faith is in his faithfulness. Say it out loud, everybody. Ready? Wait. Wait for it. Ready? Read. Our faith is in his faithfulness. You see, trust is a who thing not a what thing. There's a church father dating all the way back to 140 AD. So, I mean, this is a guy who could have possibly rubbed shoulders with some of the apostles just before their death. He dates all the way back to 140. He certainly would have been first generation after Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. An early church father. And he writes this, and I quote, Out of his measureless love, our Lord Jesus Christ has become what we are in order to make us what he is himself. Mm. What a beautiful spirit to celebrate communion in. What we've become in him. All right. What'd you hear? We have a microphone here. And my faithful son-in-law, dad, father, son, brother, We'll bring it to anyone here that would like to comment or has a question on something you observe, a difference of opinion. We're open to that. And also, for those of you in the live stream audience, please go ahead and text us, 720-878-3323, or type it into the chat window there. Nina, you'll bring to my attention anything that we need to, you know, if you're monitoring there. Okay. What is it, hon? Go ahead. Um, okay, so Ralph says, 
Learning from him was never an option. All we had to do is accept what others told us. <laughs> we thought this was rest because we didn't have to think. In Hebrews, in Hebrew, I guess that's the Hebrew language. I was thinking it was the book. But in Hebrew, to learn is to rest. Yeah. Thank you, our beloved Ralph. I don't know if everybody's aware, and some of you watching by live stream, Ralph is in Switzerland. I mean, right now, live. This is live. Like seven hours later. Uh, seven to eight, nine hours later, something like that. Whatever time it is there, I'm sure he'll type it into the chat. He's one of our regular members, as well as an author, a speaker, pastor, elder in the church. And uh, we just love him so much. Someday you're going to get to meet him personally. Any other comments about what you've heard? Questions? Observations? I've got one. Okay. Um, when you were talking about rest, um, it made me think of um, how stressful Christianity was growing up, trying to be perfect, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do all the time. Um, and what comes to mind when I think of that is I was always in a hurry to get to perfection, to become what God wanted me to be. But that's a whole life process. Um, and when you think of it in, a, in terms of God, God has already accepted you and you're already accepted exactly as you are. And from this point, he's just going to walk with you. There is no rush. There is no hurry. And that's where the rest comes in. It allows you to say, I don't understand this, but I'm okay where I am. Uh, it allows you to say, I know I'm not there yet, and I'm not perfect, and I made a mistake, but I'm okay where I am because I know God accepts me right here. So I'm not in a hurry to be better. I'm not in a hurry to be right. I'm not in a hurry to be approved. I'm not in a hurry to grow, to get closer. Oh, I love that. That'll preach. It's been a while. <laughs> We're talking about... No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so that makes me think of my flowers. Are, are, are they in a hurry to grow? Or do they just naturally grow? And do they have everything within them to grow? I guess they also need sun, water. So there's a kind of combination. I guess that would be the body of, the, you know, being around people and, you know, just ta talking to the Lord. But, but it's within them. You know, they, you know, we know that everything's in the seed, actually. So to make things possible. But when you talk about this resting in order to grow... If you look at nature, I can't imagine that trees and flowers and any of them are in a hurry to grow. They just do it. There's no pressure on them. Yeah. Now, we might feel like, oh, I wish they'd hurry up. I can't wait to see this. But it's so fun to, and it's fun to watch them grow. It's a very wonderful experience. God gives us what we need to grow just like you give your plants water and sometimes food in the soil or, or rich new soil, whatever it is. And God gives us that in the time when it's right. 
Ralph says, I am, in Swi I am from Switzerland, but I'm in Denmark right now. It is 7 p.m. He's resting. Resting, <laughs> resting from a great trip along, along the, the beach. beach. <laughs> Somebody has to do it, Ralph. We, we call that beach ministry. Isn't the technology fascinating? We're here having this time, this gathering, and Ralph is seven, eight hours away. Well, it's further than that away, but I mean in his clock there, whatever time it is there, eight in the evening, something like that, seven, eight o'clock, thousands of miles away, sharing our time. Now, if that's possible, just like humankind figured that out, right, how to do that, Think of how near God is to you. Instantly. You live now. You are now in His presence. He is never somewhere else. He is never distant from you. That's religion. That's why we're quieting this noise. That's religious talk and religious teaching. That God is separate from you and somehow you have to get Him to come to you. Gain His approval. What did you hear? Anybody else? We're going to receive communion in just a moment. Did you have some other questions? Well, uh, Jeff, if you would, what's the question that we have, the leading question there? Do you think you tend towards rest or towards working it out yourself? Real quick, just take a poll here. Working it out yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, yeah, I got to work this because we're taught in our society you know to be successful to apply ourselves to achieve that's why we have skills and that's not a bad thing but you you can't transfer all of that over to fellowship and relate yes we have a, a comment right here I always try to work it through myself but I also know that God gives me the strength to get through anything myself So in your working it out, you're also very aware that he's there in the moment. And we should not think otherwise, or else we would think God devoid of sports, God's devoid of other activities, like when I'm doing my IT work during the week, and I have to be thinking and applying myself to zeros and ones and all the training I have on computers. It's not like God's here at the church and I left him. You, you understand. So, and I don't, I don't tell the owners of the company that I'm working for, well, you know, that problem with your computer system, God's going to work it out. Just trust him. <laughs> How would that work? What's that second question, Jeff? What is the difference of learning from Jesus and learning of Jesus? Anybody? I'll take a run at that real quick. It's okay. I don't feel bad. I just spent half hour teaching. I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> Learning of his ways is different than knowing him as our Savior and Father. What his ways is, is his lessons that we live by. Let me ask you a general question here. When you think of learning, 
or study or going to school? Do you think of pleasure, rest, um, or do you think, man, this is some work. I've got to apply myself. I'm, see, that's the difference. Learning of him is just resting in who he is and who you already are in him. You already know him. It's an uncovering. It's, a, it's an unveiling, not a working, not a study. Got to go to school, sit in class, learn, go home, apply myself to the books. You see? It's different learning of than learning from He's not a teacher in that respect, trying to teach you how to be good. What's this next question, Jeff? We just have these three. What, is the, what does our faith, what does our faith is in his faithfulness mean? Our faith is in his faithfulness. What does that mean to you? Anyone? It means you don't have to do anything. <laughs> faith was always a stressful thing. It was like if you don't have enough faith, you're not you're not doing it. So like there would be things like you're praying for something and you're not getting an answer and you just don't have enough faith. Um, but when your faith is in His faithfulness, it's not you, it's Him, right? And then so really you're just letting go and you're just saying I believe, and that's it, and nothing more. And it's not effort and it's not work. Very good. Anybody else? Simply that we know, not believe. When I know something, it's absolute. To think of it as an absolute, that his faith is always going to be in my favor. It's going to... You know, I love the scripture. It says, the, uh, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. How many of us walk around all day long just full of joy? That's the way we should be. 